On this episode of Talk Your Exposure, we're joined by Gerald Cannon, who is the owner of Ballers Bridge. Gerald Cannon has been through a lot of basketball trials and tribulations during his university career. While he was also with the Cleveland Cavaliers, he's a part of that championship 2016-2017 team when LeBron James came and Kyrie Irving and all those guys came back from a 3-1 deficit. Tune in to this week's episode with Gerald Cannon, as this is not an episode to miss out on. He dropped a lot of gems, and we're excited to share them all with you guys. Again, tune into this week's episode with Gerald Cannon of Ballers Bridge. Welcome to another edition of Talk Your Exposure. Today we got a special one, but before we get into our guests, I want to remind everybody to tune in to us under Talk Your Exposure on Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from, as well. If you want to see our handsome faces, you're more than welcome to check us out on Talk Your Exposure on YouTube under RWI Basketball. But today's guest, a special one, like I mentioned before, but before we get to that, Chris, man, what's going on with, with that peanut head of yours? Uh, you know what? I've been seeing your head for a while, so I had to show you how it's done. <laughs> you had to show me how it's done. Oh, man, yeah, I don't know about that. You came ball-headed. I'm like, yo, you got to do a real ball-head. This is the, like, look, we all got all the shines going, everything. This is uh, real ball. <laughs> I see, I see the shininess. You got, you, you got a Mr. Clean, go, a Mr. Clean going to you today, man. But, go. but, but again, Chris, welcome back to the show, man. You know, it's always, it's always a pleasure to have you with us and have you co-hosting our, our show, man. How you feeling, man? I'm feeling good. It's a little cold outside, but you know, we keep it warm in here. It's always heated between me and you, Steven. So that's one thing I like. And- <laughs> <laughs> Rolling today. Uh, he's, he's, he's ready to go. He's ready to go. But but our guest today is a special one, man. You know, someone that's been through the basketball world for quite some time, which we're going to dive into in a little bit. We got Gerald Cannon in the building. How are you feeling today, my man? Man, I'm feeling great, man. Appreciate you guys having me on, man. Excited. Hey, we appreciate you giving us some time to talk to us today. You know, I got to ask you, though, Gerald, we got we got a, a, little, a little game. Well, quick question first, and then we got a little game for you. But... I want to know, if you were in a movie, well, who is someone that you would want to play as yourself? Mm, if I was in a movie, you said, who would, want, who would I want to play? Like, me? Sorry, sorry let, me, let me rephrase that. If you had a documentary based on your life, let's say you had a movie based on your life, J.L. Cannon, the documentary, The Life of J.L. Cannon, who is one actor, or, uh, one actor that you would want to play as you in that movie? Man, I'm going to go... I'm going to go... I'm gonna go with the the young Ray Allen, the Jesus Shuttlesworth. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, white man was it? White, white man can't jump? No, 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 no. He got game. I'm going. He got, he got game. game. He got game. Wow. Sorry. Wow. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't. I don't, know, I don't know why I thought Ray Allen was in White Man Can't Jump. That's really awkward. <laughs> but anyways, we're gonna. I'm gonna edit that part out. <laughs> nah, you gotta leave it. You gotta leave it. Yeah, I, I got, I got, I gotta leave all the bloopers too. Bloopers are twenty twenty two, man. Bloopers are twenty twenty two. But you know, Gerald, we, I want to ask you, you know, get into our game a little bit. We have a game called Would You Rather. Uh, you know, just a couple, couple quick, quick questions for you. Would you rather watch a game at home or in the stadium? Mm, at the house. Why is that? Uh, just chill. Really, be able to watch the game. I feel like when you go to the game. You know, it's so much, uh, so much, so many other things that's going on that you're looking at that you don't get to see, you know, what's actually happened within the game. Uh, so now I think present day, I like to just be at the house, man, watching the game and be able to enjoy it and, and, and be able to sit back and be comfortable and, 
and, and do it like that. No, for sure, for sure. I, I can actually, I actually like that one because even down here in Toronto, there's way too many COVID protocols, way too many things happening right now. Even even to go watch rappers and everything. So, as much as I love watching them in live, live in person, sometimes it's better to be at home, kick up, and have a nice cold beer in my hand. <laughs> free, not twenty dollars of, of a cold beer either. It's a free beer. Exactly. <laughs> with the mask on. With the there mask you go. On. With the, with a mask on. Exactly. Exactly. Um, if you had one meal option, would you rather have breakfast or dinner? Breakfast all day, man. Breakfast. Gotta yeah, go breakfast. Breakfast, you can do it morning, you can do it afternoon, you can do it dinner. After the club, you can do it whenever. It's always a good time for some breakfast, especially down here with the Waffle House, man. 24 hours, you can always get you a good Waffle House play. Oh, okay. Man. So, I, so I, I got a question for you then. With that being said, would you rather Waffle House or IHOP? No Waffle House all day. It's not even close. All star special, <laughs> man. I don't even have to see the menu. Just, just, just take me there. We good. I already know what I want. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but so I'm like, they know you. They, you walk in, they like, oh, get his order. It's always <laughs> there a good you go. time for some Waffle House, man. And you never know what you're gonna see when you go. So, <laughs> you know, not, not, not everybody likes cleaning. But would you rather clean your car or clean your place? Hmm. That's a good one right there. I'm gonna say clean the place. What one last one for you before we move on? Before we move on off our game, would you rather play for Coach Roy Williams at UNC or Coach K at Duke? Uh, this year, maybe Coach K since it's his last year. I feel like that'll be a classic, you know, a classic go. Um, but if it's not his last year, then I'm gonna have to go UNC. You know, all the Jordan gear. It just seemed like the spot to be the GOAT played there. Uh, I, I think I'm going to have to go UNC. Uh, Duke seems kind of buttoned up for me, maybe a little too buttoned up for me. Oh, man. We have a non-Dukey in the building. Okay, okay. I Duke. All respect. All respect. All respect. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Duke fan. You know, uh, like I'm born April 7, 1992. My mom went into labor on, on the 6th of, of April, 1992. If everyone remembers that time is when Christian Lehner got the game when he shot against Kentucky, had to yeah. hit the uh, a fadeaway or whatever you want to call it, uh, turnaround jumper, you know, to, to put us in the final. So I've been a Duke, I've been born into a Duke family by default. Yeah, um, all respect for for Duke and what they have going there. Shout out Coach oh. K, shout out Coach K. We know Gerald. I want, I do want to ask you though, real quick. You know, during this pandemic, it's been very tough on a lot of kids in general. Uh, being able to try to be be able to maintain. Um, you know, with basketball, with AAU, or with with scholarships, even with kids that are in the, the NCAA right now, what is what are some things that you would like to tell some kids? You know, to keep them encouraged and keep them motivated through a pandemic, and also just be unsure. Yeah, I think right now, man, if you're here and you're able to just be healthy, um, be able to play the game, I think what if if anything else, the last two years just taught us, man, that's a blessing in itself, just to be able to walk in the gym and be able to hope. I think kids didn't really understand, or all, any of us, you know, because we've never been through it, you know, what that felt like to not be able to leave a house and not be able to go to a gym and just pick up a ball when you wanted to. So I think just first of all, man, being thankful uh, and then just take advantage, you know. Uh, I think the opportunities that are out there uh, and everything that's going on, you know, every day is different uh, and that's around the world. So I think if, if you have a chance to, Playing a game, especially a meaningful game, uh, take take all take full advantage of it. Just go as hard as you can go, um, because in present day, man, everybody, somebody's watching. It's being recorded. 
and, and don't 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 take advantage of that opportunity, man. Too many people who want it for you to to slice off. No, for sure. And I'm with you on that one. Uh, you obviously played NCAA basketball, but I'm curious to know what your thoughts on the transfer portal. Uh, the transfer portal is kind of crazy right now. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's especially in the last couple of years, um, it's just taken off. Uh, I think it is what it is. You know, I, I think that we have to figure out how to navigate, you know, the, the changing landscape of basketball. I think the willingness to just pick up and bounce is just something that we have to deal with what players are doing. You know, they have a lot of options right now. Uh, so we just have to figure it out. I think players need to do a better job of, you know, choosing the schools. It's not D1 or bus. Um, and I think coaches need to do a better job and scouts of recruiting pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like bring, getting the right players for your program, not settling just for the players that are, you know, close in proximity or only who you've seen. There's too many resources that are out there to be able to find the right fit. Um, and I think us is, you know, in, on this side with media and scout, and we need to do our jobs, uh, our due diligence, yeah. really finding the talent and making sure that those two parties come together. So I think we can all do better. You use a key word in, in, in your answer just now. You use a word change. And obviously there's been a lot of changes within NCAA these past couple of years throughout the pandemic, throughout COVID, uh, travel portal being one of them. But now people, now students are able to sign contracts to get paid to be a paid student athlete. How do you feel about that, knowing that you didn't have the same opportunity, you know, during during your time in NCAA? Uh, I mean, it's, I'm excited about it. <clears throat> I think that, um, you know, when I was hoping um, being able to go and work a job or internship just wasn't available. You know, we were hoopers all day, every day, you know, around the clock. So in college, just being able to go work at, on, you know, an internship on Wall Street or wherever people, were, you know, were going at our school to go get these big time internships. That just wasn't something that was realistic for us. It was, you know, get better. This is my time to get better and to hone my skill uh, so I could be prepared for next season. Uh, in doing that, how do I eat? How do I put gas in my car? How do I pay rent? How do I take my girlfriend out for dinner? What, what do I do? You know, how do I help my my family out uh, who, who might need to keep the lights on um, without any extra money. And, and that just wasn't available. So I'm excited for players. I'm excited for the opportunities that are out there. I think we just have to be smart. Uh, it's a new landscape and, and being able to understand what's the best fit and not be taken advantage of because we know in basketball, man, everybody's trying to eat. So you just got to really be smart about how you move and who you work with. There's one word again that you use over there, and, and then after this, you know, it's all on to Chris. Chris is peanut head, but um, you know, you, <laughs> but uh, you use you use the, use the word over there, safe. And uh, you know, during this time when when people were in NCAA back in the day, you know, even Chris Weber was talking about, and like you just mentioned right now, how can I provide for my family? How can I provide for myself? How can I buy a, a meal? Whatever case might be, Chris Weber mentioned that even when he was playing in Michigan, he didn't even have enough money to buy a slice of pizza. But the word that you use again is, is, is safe. When 18-year-olds are making a million dollars or $2 million or whatever they're making, a.k.a. Um, a Styles P son, he's making a million, million dollars at the school he's at right now. How can we keep our student athletes safe knowing that they're being announced, that they're getting these NILs and still making money for a quite, quite a big amount of money as well? Yeah, I think educating them. I think putting them 
in the right programs and, and educating them in ways that we weren't educated when I was coming up about financial literacy, about uh, responsible investments, about being an entrepreneur, about being a boss, about uh, investing, about crypto, about everything. You know, I, I think if we can take them and say, hey, you've been given this amount of money uh, to work with XYZ company or companies, this is how you should handle those business relationships and this is how you should handle your money. And it'd be people that they trust that, you know, they know that the programs that they're attending are reputable. And just think now if we're giving an 18 year old a million dollars then and they start investing that million dollars at 18, when they get to be 40, 50 years old, I mean, that's something that will affect their whole life, you know, not just their life, but everyone else that's coming behind them. And I think that's special, man. That's, that, you know, that's something that we've never heard of or never seen before. And I think it, it, it will affect generations of people, uh, not just that kid, but so many other people behind them, uh, especially if it's done the right way. I think we've all seen the 30 for 30s, the brokes, and, you know, how players have wasted it. It's a story that's been told a million times. We've done that. How, how do we now change that and, and, and point these players, these kids uh, in the right direction? Hey, Joe, man, I, I appreciate, you know, your answers and, and the definitely I'm actually kind of mad that I had to leave kind of early. But again, no, Joe, thank you. Thank you very much for it. And I hope that you and I can connect down the line again one time soon. So, Gerald, honestly, it's been really cool um, looking stuff up about you. And I'm going to go back to a little bit of history because a lot of times the whole part of this platform is get people a little deeper insight about um, what people are doing in the basketball community. And like, as I looked, like you started playing basketball probably like what, late, late high schools and, and later the latter part of high school, you started playing basketball and you stand with six, eight around us. Is that six, eight? Yeah, six, nine, six, nine. We up there. Ooh, six, nine. <laughs> playing that, 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 that forward, that forward center position. Yeah. And um, when you're leaving out, when you left high school, you got, I guess you have options, but you ended up at Morehouse. Why is that? Yeah, that's a good question, man. I, uh, I think for myself and for a lot of players, uh, going through that recruiting process is one of the most difficult things. Uh, I think I hit on it a little bit earlier. When I was in high school, uh, I think it was worse than it is today. You know, as far as, you know, it's got to be D1. Everything is D1. If you don't go D1, then you're, you know, you're not that good or, you know, that's going to be terrible experience. Uh, and I had that mindset myself, you know, so I'm like, you know, D1 is everything. Um, but growing up in Atlanta, um, you know, you hear so much about Morehouse College, um, the prestige that goes along with the pro with the with the school and just everything. You know, you're very knowledgeable about it. So Morehouse was always around. I did a, um, a tutoring program. My mom took me to Morehouse really early on to kind of help steer me in the right direction uh, when I couldn't get it right in school. Uh, so I was knowledgeable about Morehouse, and around that time is when the Olympics was happening, uh, and that's where they played at the arena, was at Morehouse. Uh, so just seeing those things was, like, kind of special, because so it kind of stuck with me. So when it came to the decision, uh, my mom was really big on Morehouse. You know, I was looking at the D1 schools, um, but she was really big on go to Morehouse, uh, and it, it ended up being the best decision that I ever made. I was able to stay close to home uh, and help out the family and look out for my fam. Um, but also have an incredible uh, experience at an HBCU uh, and, and being able to, you know, be in Atlanta, bro. It's nothing like <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I keep hearing it all the time, man. Like, I hear it all the time. Yeah, and, you know, like yo, and, you know, Morehouse has a rich history. Like, so what was, like, the being on campus, what was, like, the Black, black experience like being on campus? Uh, it was awesome, man. It, it really wasn't that 
you know, groundbreaking for me, again, being from the east side of Atlanta uh, and just how I grew up, that's pretty much how we grew up was, you know, everything was black. Our neighborhood was black, our grocery stores were black, our everything, you know, so it wasn't like a, a, a huge culture shock. Um, but the brotherhood, I think, along with that, you know, was something that was not what I was expecting, you know, because I was going there to hoop. I wanted to learn. I wanted to get the education, but I wanted to hoop, man. I just wanted to play ball. Um, but kind of seeing that experience and it not just being from Morehouse, but with Clark right there uh, with Spelman across the street. And at that time, Morris Brown was still up, too. So now you're getting you know, a huge just melting pot and not just Morehouse, but so many different schools, so many different people. Uh, and we're all right there in the mix together. Man, it, it was just special, bro. I can't, it, it's hard to explain, you know. That's cool. I, hate, I hate the Wakanda, but yeah. I love the Wakanda at the same time. I hear, kind of, I hear you. you. Know. <laughs> That's a good, I like that analogy. It's a good way. Yeah, yeah. When they're walking around the market, when you see them walking around the market, that's kind of how it felt, bro. You know, walking around the schools and that energy is just different, man. I, I encourage anybody to, especially if you're a young hooper and, and looking at schools, man, take a look at the AUC, man. Look at the schools and look at what, what's down there. I think you'd be surprised. Yeah, no, I like Atlanta a lot, man. I got, I'm due to go back. I love that place. First time going there, I was like, whoa, this is like, wow. <laughs> like, he's like, every, are you going to shop? Okay. You go to the bank? Okay. Like, it was just like, Wow. <laughs> as soon as you touch down, you, you feel it in the airport, you know, and yeah. then as you once you get out the airport, man, it, it continues on. So it, it's it's a unique experience for sure. Definitely, definitely, definitely a good experience. If anyone has not gone to Atlanta, you gotta figure it out. You gotta go check it out. So tap in with us, man. Hit me, shoot me a DM, tap in with me. <laughs> See, I like that. <laughs> you know, got people out here. Um, while you're at Morehouse, you study business, right? Yeah. And uh, you playing basketball, you studying business. Like, did you work? Like, did you work on campus, off campus? Were you able to do that? No, not really, man. I, um, I, I, you know, again, trying to just pick up whatever I could. If there were some, I worked at Foot Locker for a bit. You know, you got to work at the Foot Locker. You got to, you're going to try to keep the shoot. Kick game got to be strong. And to do that, you know, you need that discount. So I did um, Foot Locker for a minute. Uh, and just, you know, again, just always work. I've, I've been working my whole life, man. So just, you know, a little off and on things. But again, nothing like a big time internship that could set me up for, a, you know, a big time position once I graduated because it just wasn't possible. I couldn't go somewhere and be gone and spend around the clock working an internship and really giving my all when I needed to be in that gym man, and really focusing and, and trying to get better and not lose my spot that next year. So that was where the majority of my time was put in um, while I was there. Okay, that makes sense. So what was your most memorable time playing, most memorable, what was your most memorable moment playing at Morehouse? Most memorable moment, I'd say it had to be um, winning, you know, we won our conference, won our champion, you know, won the conference championship. Uh, that was big for us. Um, and then I think the, the rivalry games, man, that Morehouse-Clark game, man, that, you know, again, something you just have to be there for, you know, to go into a gym that's sold out, all your, all your brothers, all everybody from around the city, you know, there's no telling who will walk in that gym. Uh, it, it's just a crazy experience. So that, that's definitely up there, too, as well. 
Okay, I like that. So you left Morehouse. Um, you decided to play professional overseas or just to go professional. Did you acquire an agent to help you through that process? Yeah, I was, I was kind of uh, really unaware to the process on uh, going overseas. I think that's one area where it could be helpful. I'm not sure how it is at other programs, but I think when we're talking about Division II, uh, in any program where they're not setting players up and really creating a pipeline that helps you kind of make that transition, whether it's meeting agents or understanding what's the difference between going to Europe versus going to Asia versus going to South America. Yeah. Uh, I, I think those are areas where people can, can man, a lot, of, a lot of work needs to be done. Let's just leave it at that. But uh, I did end up getting an agent um, a little bit later on, but my first job, no, I, I just, uh, I had another guy who was on my team who had played in Japan. He told me Japan was a good spot to go. Uh, he had a team that was kind of a club, more like a club team uh, that was looking for a player. Uh, and I didn't know anything about the person who ran the team. I didn't know anything about the team. I didn't know anything about Japan. Uh, so a week or two uh, uh, after graduation, man, I hopped on a plane through the Nagoya, man, and, and started my professional career there um, with just trying to understand now what does it mean to be a pro uh, and, and be a pro player overseas. And it, it was another crazy experience. But now, that was a culture shock. <laughs> I, could, I was about to say that must be a culture shock. Especially that's, when that's when the culture shock kicked in for sure yeah i can imagine so okay so that's basically so you so that was your first option going to japan like do you have any any other options because like you're like six nine from the states like you know like and you're going over your most times if you're six nine go states they're thinking you're a four you're a seven they're gonna want you any other options or you just japan was a referral so you went that way first yeah, you would think that. But again, I think that's where Division Two kind of, you know, separates because I think when, and, you know, again, these are some of the areas where we're, what we're doing with Ballish Bridge is trying to help whether the player is Division Two or wherever they are. Uh, is it, a couple of things that if any player is listening to this, I mean, you have to know is that when you finish college, you know, it's a, college is a business and, and pro is a, just a whole nother level of business. Uh, you have to have your film together. So that was one thing I didn't have when I went to, you know, the school to try to get my film, to try to get an agent to take me serious. Because I did have a couple that were reaching out to me, um, but I didn't have any film. They, they weren't filming our games like that at that time, you know, and it, it wasn't like it is today where film is just everywhere and readily available on social media. So uh, I didn't have film where I could show what kind of player I was. Uh, and then again, I think at that time, and maybe still today, Division Two, you know, just doesn't have the reputation of a Division One program. So uh, there's not people just knocking at your door to come play. Even if you are six nine, you know, you have to be able to show what you can do. So my thing was, you know, to take this route where I might not be making a ton of money, um, but I'll at least be able to put some film together, get my name out there, and then I can kind of build up from there. So that was my my thought process behind it. I'm going to come back to this in a second because now you got me thinking how this, all, this whole business came about. But before I get into it, you play professional basketball for a couple of clubs, right? Mm -hmm. um, so during all those clubs you're playing for, you had to adjust for the food, like the language, different cultures. How was that process, like adjusting all the time? It's very difficult. I think uh, when you look at players that are making the jump, especially high school guys that are making the jump overseas, and that's kind of dwindled down a little bit now because of the other options that are available. 
Mm-hmm. I always thought to myself, like, man, that's going to be difficult. <laughs> you know, yeah. if you're going to Australia, if you go, I don't care yeah. where you're going. If, it, if you need a passport to go, it, it would be hard to go anywhere, you know, but uh, especially on the other side of the world. So it was very difficult, man. A lot of isolation. Again, it, there was no social media at the time. Um, so it was email. There was no uh, readily available internet. It was more internet cafes that you had to go to. It was just a whole different world. So the adjustment period coming out of college uh, where all my friends and everybody were kicking it all the time to just pretty much isolation and all my teammates, none of my teammates spoke English. Uh, The only person that really understood was my coach and he had broken English. So it was just like, man, it's a lot of, a lot of downtime, a lot of time to think. And um, man, you you really had to be mentally tough um, to be able to do it. And I think that if you can get over it, um, then, you know, there's a lot of opportunities and a lot of things to be had, but it, it's definitely going to be uh, a challenge, to say the least, for anybody. I like that you talked about the mental toughness. A lot of times we don't think about how mentally tough you got to be. We think mental tough is just being on the court, but it's not just your mental being mentally tough on the court. It could be also off the court and you're sur- being in surroundings that you're, uncom- that you're not comfortable with and keeping your mind focused and steady on your goals. So you're right. I'm glad you pointed that out as well. But um, out of all those places that you played, like, you know, what was your favorite place to play at? Um, favorite place <clears throat> to play at is that's, that's a tough question, bro. That's <laughs> okay. it's, it's different, different cultures, different it, be, it, it, it depends. I mean, is it the hoop? Is it the food? Is it, yeah, the, you know, the teammates? Uh, I, I have to say Japan. I, I played in Japan. I had an opportunity to play in Japan twice. Uh, Japan is the first time I saw my name on the back of a pro jersey, which was a big goal for me, uh, was to be able to, you know, see your name on that jersey, man, and, and be able to run out there in a, a full crowd. And that, that's where I had that experience. Uh, and I, I think the people there, just how they treated us and the experience, my, my mom was able to come and visit, you know, just, you know, bringing people over and showing them, it was just like a, a mind-blowing experience. So I'm, I'm going to have to say Japan, but I had some pretty cool spots that I was able to visit and, man, see the world and still keep in contact with a lot of people to this day. That's beautiful. I like that. So you stopped playing overseas and you decided to come back to the States. Why? What happened? Yeah, I think for any athlete, uh, I think you you have that time where if, if you're not having that fun, you know, where it's not fun for you, even if you are being paid for it, uh, I think that's one side of it. And then two, I think your body you know, you have to listen to your body. Luckily, I never went through any uh, serious injury. Uh, so that was that was another thing. And then lastly, I think playing internationally, man, it's difficult, you know, where you don't really know where you're going to go. You don't know when you're going to leave. Uh, you're kind of just sitting on standby a lot of times. And it's cutthroat in a lot of ways, too. Uh, and my last place where I was playing was uh, Mexico. You know, and Mexico is a whole different monster. You know, when you talk about mm-hmm. playing and, again, how cutthroat it is where there could be a guy sitting in the stands, you know, your replacement, if you don't drop 20 that game. <laughs> you know? Yo, it's like, you're, like, you're looking up like, damn. He's sitting there like. He's like, come on, man. You don't look good today. I heard a cop and I heard you feel a little sick today. You know? <laughs> and you coming super hungry and you're just trying to stay focused. Again, mental toughness. You hit on it. Um, but long story short, man, I was supposed to go to Saudi and play um, my last time. And 
you know, they were having a lot of issues in the Middle East and I was already battling, like, do I want to go? Is that a good opportunity or not? Uh, and my coach ended up calling me. was like, hey, these issues that are going on uh, are, are too big for us to feel safe to bring you over. And I think I just kind of took that as a sign, like, okay, maybe this is maybe this is time for me to make the transition out of this and, and to move on. So uh, that's, that's kind of how it happened. But I, I, I walked away not having any regrets, not having anything where it's like, man, I wish I could have accomplished this or that. And I think that was another goal for my for me was to be able to walk away and be happy with what I had I had done. That's actually a very important goal. I'm glad you mentioned that. I hope everyone who's listening hears that. A lot of times when you when you leave the process, you want to make sure that you kind of felt like you gave it your all. You did everything, left everything on the table. In our case, left it on the court. And so you know, I'm good. I'm satisfied. I'm not going to have any regrets or think, oh man, I should have did that or I should have pushed myself. Like you did it. It's done. We moving on. What's the next chapter? And I think that's good that you said that. <clears throat> Absolutely. You'll never see me in the LA fitness, man, with my with my jersey on. Trying <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that Japan jersey. Trying, trying to go for 30, <laughs> talking trash. This is not gonna happen. You just won't ever see it. So <laughs> no, no offense to whoever's out there who's, who's no, 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 no. tying their shoes right you. now, but that ain't me. <laughs> that ain't you. <laughs> oh, I like that, man. Well, listen, I, I'm going to skip a little thing. I'm going to jump into something that caught my eye. Like, uh, you got a position at Cleveland Cavaliers as a client experience specialist. Uh, explain that role for people who don't understand that role. <clears throat> yeah. Into it. yeah, again, I don't want to go too much because I understand, you know, just time and, and, and not trying to overtalk. But I think some of these things are important uh, is when you come out of that, you know, that world where you were playing in college and you are playing overseas. Uh, and now you're looking at 10 plus years you know, where you've just been hooping and that's all you've been doing, the toughest thing to do is to transition out, you know, to go back into the real world and find a job. Uh, and that was one of the hardest things that I found because my resume, all they had was hoop teams, you know, and teams that were overseas and, uh, and, and just coaches for you to call for referral, for work referrals. But I, I had no experience actually working unless it was like, you know, again, small job or something here and there. Um, where so I had an op opportunity to to go almost to a combine. It was called a sports sales combine, um, where they had different NBA teams, sports teams come in, and they would look at you know they would host it. They hosted it in Atlanta, where they brought people in. You could pay to go, and then they would kind of pick from that group where you know if you could work with the Hawks, or you could work with the Bob the Bobcats at the time, uh, the Hornets, or well you know different teams were there. Uh, and I, I was offered a position with Cleveland. Man, I had never really spent any significant time in Cleveland. I didn't know much about Cleveland, but I knew LeBron was there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's all you need to know. That's all you need to hear. I knew they had LeBron, you know? And, and again, I think when you play overseas, you're, you're never, you know, you lose that fear of picking up and moving uh, and, and going to new places. So if you can go to Japan or Romania, uh, shout out my guy, Dwayne, my, my guy, Bert, and any, any of those places, yeah. Um, you can you can definitely go to Cleveland. So uh, I went to Cleveland and, and worked with the Cavs for two years. And, man, it was another just great experience being able to, you know, watch LeBron and watch what they had built. They were a number one team in the NBA at the time. And, man, incredible experience for sure. And that's why, again, when, when they asked the question of watch the game at the arena versus watch it at the house, Man, I seen it. You know, <laughs> you know what it's, you know what that, you know what that feels like. <laughs> I stay at the house, man. <laughs> the house. 
I I got my own. I can work at my own pace. <laughs> I've seen you. I've seen. Got a chance. I was blessed to see a lot. So it's, it's you know I'm good now. You know, um, I when I think back to that time in Cleveland um, when I received there, that was probably man. That was one or two. That's probably LeBron's best years. Like you were there for LeBron's. That year was crazy for LeBron. Like he was just doing. Every, he was a monster on stats or number one, but just what he was doing on the court, his charisma, how he got the team going, like that's just crazy. Um, and quick, 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 quick LeBron story. Can I drop a quick LeBron yeah, story? Please, please. Yeah, of course. Quick, quick LeBron story. So when you work with the team, man, you get to obviously, everybody always talks about going in and getting there early to watch warmups. You know, people run into the arena to watch Steph and them do their warmups. So when you work with the team, you're there all day. You know, our offices were in the arena. so. Uh, you get to see the workouts before the people come in. So you're sitting there. I, I go every time, every game. I'm in there just watching LeBron warm up. And one time, man, he he threw the he was at like I want to say like half. He threw it off the jumbotron. Off the jumbotron, bro. What? The top of the arena threw the ball off the jumbotron. The ball bounces. He jumps off the ground when it comes down. Off the bounce. And just Are you serious? So, <laughs> bro, if I didn't see it, I wouldn't, you know what I'm saying? Yo. Crazy. crazy. Off the jumbotron. Off the jumbotron, bro. Perfect pass, just one and done. It's just like he was just doing stupid stuff that, you know, you just be like, man, that dude is way different than anything I ever and seen. You know, and that's, that's not even the end game. The end game stuff was crazy, you know? Well, that's what I'm saying. That, that, those two years, like I think the year before, that, those two years when he got the MVP back and back, but that especially that year, LeBron was just doing some stuff like just ridiculous. But we missed what what would have been, I think, the best finals. We missed that Kobe versus LeBron. Yes, we we missed it, man. Orlando, Dwight Howard, they blew the whole thing up, man. I think and, it was so much hype for the LeBron versus Kobe. Yeah, yeah. I know you're right, yo. If that would have been a crazy. Like, we would, I think personally, we still would have been talking about that. That's because I'm a Kobe. I like. I I love Kobe. I'm a Kobe guy. All Me right? too. Me too. So it would be nice to see that Kobe Lebron type of matchup. Especially they're still active. They're still, but they're like, just to see that matchup, and they're both so competitive. I just imagine the things they would have pulled out. I know Kobe would pull some more tricks, but I just imagine what that would have been like. It would be a classic. Every game was going to be a classic. It was going to be an amazing finals. And everybody knew it. The NBA was preparing for it. They had the Kobe um, doll and the LeBron doll. They were ready. They were ready. They were ready. Manufacturers are mad. So many manufacturers are mad. They're like, I wasted this time. (laughs) This money. Y'all were sick. Everyone was sick. (laughs) Well, Let's go into some. So what inspired you to start your own company? Hmm? <clears throat> I think, um, again, kind of, I, I'll never forget going and trying to get my film, man, to be able to have that opportunity to go play pro uh, and being told that they didn't have it. It was sickening, <laughs> you know, because it's just like, man, I've been here four years. Um, I, I put in a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of plays. Mm-hmm. Where, where is my film, man? You know, yeah, yeah. for them to not have it uh, was, was just sickening, man. It really struck. It really stuck with me. Um, and and being going to Japan and seeing how much uh, attention was put to film. You know, where we would every game, every practice, we would watch film. 
it was just so much attention on film and I just learned so much from them about how valuable film was, whether it's you studying players to improve your own skill set, to study your opponents, um, to pick up, you know, like little things that teams do. Uh, it, it really stuck with me there as well. So just kind of watching technology improve over those years and, you know, YouTube and different things come about, I said, man, this could be easier for players where every player could have their film and every player would be able to have their, you know, video resume to be able to move, whether it's in high school, college or pro, uh, way more easy than, than it is now. So that's that's where Baldur's Bridge came from. I like that, man. Um, did you have any other concepts before you decided to work on, aka, well, work on the name while well, we're talking about Baldur's Bridge, but did you have any other concepts before this, before going full of flight into Baldur's Bridge? Uh, concepts set up, you mean, in, in like in a different kind of business? Yeah, a different type of business. Like you were kind of, you know, like you're thinking about this, the media stuff, but then you're like, you know, there might be this aspect I should look at as well. Like, was there any other thing that you're, any other offer, other other opportunities that you thought they should explore besides yeah. yeah, I was a businessman before a hooper, man. So I think just always thinking about business, you know, what kind of okay. what kind of opportunities are there, what can be set up um, to be able to generate revenue and put something that'll always be, you know, around after I'm gone. Uh, so yeah, but I think, again, my life, a lot of my life has been in sports and been around sports, specifically basketball. And, that, and that's just what resonated with me, man. That's what touched my heart. That's what I felt like I could really put in place to make, you know, what's what's coming for players that are after me, uh, make their situation a lot easier. So um, Ballish Bridge was always Ballish Bridge, to be honest. I like that. You know, not everyone's able to take their passion and love and turn it into a business, right? So. You know, and this is one of the things I like about this opportunity that we could take someone who's played sports and find a passion and love and just tweak, tweak, um, tweaked it and now they got a business out of it of something they still love and be around. Um, you know, I looked up, you got some co-founders. How'd you meet those guys? Yeah, you know, I think with, um, again, with Ballers Bridge and anybody, again, entrepreneur conversation, man, when you're starting a business, uh, you're going to work with so many different people. You know, and I've had an opportunity to work with whether it's people that I started the business with or with people that uh, I, I think now, again, with kind of the gig economy and where things are with being able to work with someone that's in Phoenix or work with someone that's in the Bay Area. And you might have never met that person in person, but uh, you're able to see their work on social media online and be able to say, like, hey, this person might be a good person and, and be able to connect them with, you know, a job there. So. Uh, all of it has been organic, just people that I've met, you know, in, in, in sports, through school, you know, et cetera. And, and we've been able to continue to build on. So just countless people that I've been able to work with while, you know, building up Ballers Bridge, for sure. Okay. Um, you know, I think about this sometimes because, you know, there's a big, there's a big experience and the Atlantic experience. So your headquarters was first in San Francisco, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Atlanta. What was the change? Why did you make those? Why did you make that change? Yeah, so I started in Atlanta again, uh, being home and wanting to build the company here. Um, but at the time, uh, Atlanta just I think from a tech perspective wasn't where I wanted it to be. Uh, and then I think for uh, for funding, 
I think, again, when you talk about building a company, starting a company, especially a tech company, uh, you're going to hear people talk about venture capital, VC, and being able to raise a significant amount of money so you can build that company the right way. At that time, uh, Atlanta just wasn't <clears throat> where I wanted it to be, and I wasn't getting the kind of results that I felt. And every time I asked somebody about you know, feedback or guidance, they always talked about Silicon Valley and being in the Bay Area, Silicon Valley this and that. I, I didn't know anything about the Bay Area, Silicon Valley, any of that. Um, but luckily enough, we were able to get accepted into an um, accelerator program out at Stanford. Uh, and once we got the acceptance, man, I just dropped everything and, and moved out to the Bay Area. Uh, and it was a crash course for me into Silicon Valley and just kind of understanding uh, how Silicon Valley came about, what is venture capital, what is seed funding, what is, you know, everything that goes along with it. Uh, and it was a blessing to be out there. So I spent 10 years out there and um, raised money and was able to learn again, building a tech company. And then I just had that, you know, it's time to go home. It's time to be back in Atlanta and be able to take what I've learned here uh, and be able to apply it to, um, to my home, to my home city. Uh, and I'm excited to be back. I like that. Okay. So, you know, I'm going to make sure I believe that uh, Ballers Bridge uh, inception was the 2011. Am I right? Yeah, 2012. 2012. Okay. So 2012. So you basically, 10, 10 it's like 10 years? Yeah, 10, 10, 10 years. Yo, 10 <laughs> years in the game. Damn. In the game. Yo, listen, if no one said it yet, congratulations for the 10 years. Like, wait, Thank 10 you. years will be officially, what, June or May? June. Oh, yeah, that's it. So officially, yeah. so I'll come a little early, but I'm we there though. We there. We gonna claim it. <laughs> We're gonna claim it. Congratulations for the ten years of being the business to provide the services. Um, you know, during the time you're doing this, you provide a lot of service for a lot of basketball players. What has been the biggest hurdles in doing this? <laughs> so many hurdles. <laughs> <laughs> One or two, Chris. <laughs> uh, so many hurdles. I think, again, um, man, entrepreneurship is hard. Starting a business is hard. Um, I think there are going to be all kinds of challenges. Again, just speaking from my own experience, I think we can't shy away from it or try to ignore it. I think being a, a Black guy, you know, a Black entrepreneur, uh, again, when we talk about raising money, um, when we talk about scaling a company, uh, the challenges are different, man. It's just what it is, you know, and that's just not me saying that in my own experience, but, you know, the data says it as well. You know, it just, it's going to be different for you. And, you know, I think you got to go back to that mental toughness. I think you have to go back to that resiliency and, and go back and go to, you know, being passionate about what you're doing. Um, because if you're not, man, you're going to give up, you know, you're not going to make it. And then I think too, along with along that line too, is just being able to balance, you know, life things that happen uh, along with building a company. You know, you think about all the things that can happen in ten years, whether it be you directly or your family, your friends. Um, man, there's all kind of challenges that come with that. And being able to kind of keep the ship, right the ship, you know, when those turbulent times come, man, is it ain't easy, bro. <laughs> definitely ain't easy. Definitely ain't easy. Okay. I'm sure you can I like, relate. I like, I like the way you answered that. You answered that in a way where I was like, all right, is he had some he had some hurdles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it still it still had hurdles, you know, every day. So but that that's part of it. You know, that's the same with being a hooper. You know, every day is not gonna be a great day in the gym. Uh, and how do you, how do you bounce back? How do you bounce back when you get cut? How do you bounce back when you get dunked on? 
how do you yeah. bounce back? You know, any of those things, you know, anything uh, is is when you get injured, you know, how do you bounce back? So you got to be able to bounce back. I appreciate it. Okay. Um, you know what? You probably in your business, especially 10 years into it, you have a ton of stories in, uh, of basketball players and what they've gone through. Is there one story, particular story you could talk about, about how your service helped someone, helped a ball player? Just one. Uh, I know you a lot. Yeah, I think, again, um, like you said, there's it's been a lot of players we've been fortunate enough to help. Um, I'm excited about the guys, a couple guys that are over at Morehouse now um, that, again, could have played Division One basketball <clears throat> and had Division One opportunities. Um, but I think they saw the opportunity with being able to go to a Division II program, excuse me, and be able to play immediately mm. instead of going to a very good Division One program and probably riding the bench for a couple of years and sitting there, you know, handing out towels and watching the game. Um, and now they're able be, being able to go in there and start and play and then also going to be able to get them a meaningful, you know, degree um, yeah. that's going to carry them a long way. And I think those are the things that are important to me. And then, too, uh, where, where I'm working now and excited about, you know, obviously the talent pool that's coming out of Canada. I'm itching to learn more about the players. I get excited when I see the Canadian teams that are, you know, coming into the States and are battling because that, that hunger that they play with. Uh, and being able to help those players navigate the space. Uh, and then I'm really excited about Africa as well, bro. You know, the talent that's coming out of Africa, uh, being able to go there and have the experience of going there and see the talent, but then being able to see a player that I saw or met there and then see them excelling in the States. Man, it's, it's nothing like that. <laughs> I remember this kid. I remember she's like, yo. I remember. Yep. And then them balling, and then they come in here, and then, because man, just think about it. That's my experience going from the States to Japan or whatever. Think about coming from Senegal as a high schooler, leaving your family, leaving everything, your way of life, and then coming to the States and then balling at the yeah. highest level of high school basketball. Hey, you got it. And, and being impact and, and an impact player, doing something with it. You got it. That's you're right you're right that's huge so that's a very huge thing man yeah you know um i'm gonna ask one more question before i go is uh you know we talked about the going d um d2 and then going d1 and being you know going to a division one school and probably having to sitting out a year or two or red shirt or whatever it may be and then you know going to a d2 school and being able to play right away have access and so on and you know I think, how do you, you know, a lot of players, how, you must have that conversation a lot of times with players who are just trying to make a decision. Like, they feel like back in days, if you ain't going D1, you ain't being successful. <laughs> you, didn't, you, you, didn't, you didn't make it. But you know what? If you're going D2, it's not a bad thing. You still get the coup, you still get a play. There's still opportunities there. There's still things you can do with it, but it's not really promoted that way. It's more like under the rug, hush-hush type of thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's so... Do you, when you have to talk to players about those options, how does that work? Like, how do you how do you weigh in on helping them make those decisions? Yeah, I think I try to explain to them like that. That is that notion that you, if you go to a Division two school, you're not going to be seen. Doesn't apply today, you know, mm. because of camera phones, because of <clears throat> streaming services. 
when we were playing, the only games that were being aired were on SportsCenter, were on ESPN, you know? So, and ESPN was only airing the best top, top Division One games. Um, now, everything's on. You you know, I can watch a stream from any game, you know, now just about because streaming is so easy. Uh, and, and we have so many different devices that that doesn't apply anymore. You know, and I think, too, if you look at Division II schools and be smart about the school that you go to and you look at their schedule, they're going to play Kentucky. They're going to play Ole Miss. They're going to play Auburn. They're going to play Georgia Tech or Stanford, whoever, Harvard. If you go, when you get that opportunity, kill. You know, go out there. When you get the chance to play them, do what you're supposed to do, and then you're good. You'll, you'll get picked up now. It's, not, it's, no, thing, it's no such thing as, uh, oh, they couldn't find me or they didn't see me. That you weren't doing what you're supposed to be doing now because everybody, you, you, it's just not a thing anymore because of how readily available video is and, and again, streaming and all those other options that people have. If they want to see you hoop, they're going to see you. And if you're killing, they're going to know. Yeah, I believe that. Okay, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Totally, things definitely, definitely changed when we were growing up, so that's for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, so what's in the what's in the near future for Gerald Cannon? What what could we expect from you in the next five years, maybe? <laughs> yeah, please, man. Everything um, Ballers Bridge. Um, again, <clears throat> we're excited about being here and being able to really have a home base uh, here in Atlanta. Uh, you're going to see a lot of things happening around Ballers Bridge here in Atlanta, um, but we're going to continue to spread our net. I think that's one thing that people know about myself and about our company is that we we're, we're not afraid to move. Uh, we'll pull up to any gym, you know, whether it's uh, Orangeville, shout out to my guys out there at Orangeville, out there in Canada, to Arizona, to the Bay Area, to West Africa, to Europe, to Japan. It doesn't matter. We will pull up, you know, if it's if it's worth us being there. Um, so that's, that's what we're going to do is to continue to build out here and be able to have a home base for anyone who's in Atlanta or any of the events or the players that are coming through. Um, but then also we're going to be able to, you know, make sure that we're covering uh, all the different pockets and all the different areas where I've been able to uh, be and, and see that, man, there's so much talent out there. So that, that's what we're doing. Uh, it's easy to keep up with us on, on all of our uh, accounts. We're everywhere, just on, at Ballers Bridge. Uh, and please, man, reach out. Anybody wants some advice or want to just chop it up. You know, this is what we do around the clock, man. There's no other, there's nothing else. It's what we do. So please reach out. That's what don't let my boy says. Basketball never sleeps. My boy, it shout out to sleeps. my boy, out with stuff like that. Keep the main right, thing, cool. the main thing. That's what we do, man. It's all day. Well, you know what? I'm going to hatch you up with a couple of quick hitters. Then I'm going to close out a few things. But let's hear, I'm going to use some like quick hitters to end this whole thing. We'll just do three to all make right. it cool. Let's do it. All right, here we go. The saddest song ever heard play the saddest song um what's um man what's my dude what's my what's that 21 savage song where you know he got his heart broke um oh shoot um um <laughs> man i can't pull it right now yo I, i'm trying to remember it right ball now. without you it's, it's like ball without you now so, i'm gonna yeah, ball but, without you yeah, yeah, yeah. That 21 was got hurt 21 got hurt man he's like he, Say, yo, I'm going to go in the corner and write this one. <laughs> I got a ball without you, man. You hurt me. I got a ball without you. 
Yo, you know, I like NBA, so let's just talk. Like 21, yeah. 20, 20, uh, 2021, 2022 prediction. Who do you think? At least give, give me at least finals. We'll ask who's going to win, but give the, the two top teams in the finals. Who do you think? The finals, uh, definitely the Dubs. Warriors on one side. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like what the Nets, I mean, the Nets got KD, man. It's hard to bet against it's KD. Hard. It's hard. I'm going to go, go Warriors, Nets, and I'm going to go Warriors and six. Woo! Okay. Yeah, the number two. <laughs> yeah, no, listen, I honestly, I think Warriors, I, I, I looked at Warriors this year, I'm watching, like, they're just, there's just too many weapons, too many pieces. I'm like, even the dip right now with Clay, I'm like, uh, it's, Clay, they're just adjusting. And how they <laughs> play the game, too, man. Their ball movement is just stupid. It's just crazy. Yeah. And when they, run, when they want to play defense, oh, Jesus. They lock up. <laughs> and they don't even have their whole team right now, still before yeah. All-Star weekend, so they're going to be good. They're going to be good. All right. All right. Last question. You can play two-on-two with anyone. Uh, who would be your teammate and who the, who the, who's the two te- the two players you want to play against? So you got to choose your any person you want as your teammate and who are the two people you want to go against. Man. RIP my dog Kobe, man. It would have been cold all day, you know, to, um, to match up with. Um. Um, Brian, you know, again, Brian, 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 but KD's a shooter, man. So I'm going to go KD. Okay. Me and the boy Durant. And then, um, and then I need to pick somebody. Sorry, because I want to win. Let's say, let's say like, uh, Kenny Smith. Really? Kenny Smith and Chuck. I'm gonna say Kenny Smith and Charles Barkley. Yeah, hold on a second. Hold Chuck, Chuck looks a little slow right now, so I'm gonna say you're not, you're not even saying yo, I'll take him to prime. You say I'll take him right now. <laughs> yeah, no, no, right now, present day. TNT Chuck. I want uh me and KD against Chuck and Kenny Smith. Yo, that's hilarious. No, not a prime, not a prime, uh, definitely. Oh man, and you know what? You still got bragging rights. Yo, you know who I beat? I beat Kenny Smith and I beat Charles Barkley. Yeah, fact. Don't ask when, but I did it. <laughs> I, I mean, don't matter when. I beat him. Don't matter when. <laughs> don't matter who I had with me. I won. I like that one. Oh, that's a, that's an original. I like that. <laughs> and, yo, if Steve was here. He'd be dying right now. That's an original. <laughs> that's well, what listen. I'm running with. Well, we're about to close up. Before we close up, is there any shout-outs, anything you want to say? where we could find you because you know Ballers Bridge is big it's growing a lot of people don't know about it but I think it's it's catching on especially because you're here in Canada so yeah. um any shout outs you want to do please go ahead this is your point this is your time yeah I appreciate you man just everybody I just want to say thank you everybody who's followed us everyone who supported us if you're listening to this uh just thank you uh for those who don't know or might not know who Ballers Bridge is uh, man, we're authentic. We're we're round the clock. We're sports. We we athletes first. Uh, so please, you know, learn more about what we're doing. Uh, reach out to us. The line is always open. Uh, follow us on all of our uh, all of our platforms, and just lock in with us, man. That's all I can say. And again, we're gonna we're not gonna stop. We're gonna keep growing. We're gonna keep building. Uh, we have a lot of things in the works that we're excited about, uh, and our time is coming. Beautiful, beautiful. 
to everyone who's watching this, is a big shout out. Once again, Gerald Cannon, CEO of Brawlers Bridge. It was a pleasure having you. What you bring, what you do to the game, we really appreciate it. I like that who you're focusing with, you're getting opportunity for guys who just didn't have opportunity and you're making them more aware, educating our young men. And, and you know, you do women too, right? That's right. You do girls too, right? Absolutely, bro. Hooper. Okay, see, look. Real young hooper. Men, young women. Real hooper, bro. Stop yeah, disrespecting really, really. women's sports, man. Girls, women hoop, bro. Yes, it's true. It's true. So, yes. you know, so right there, young men, young women, you, you know, if you're not feeling noticed, you got to hit up, go to Baldur's Bridge, link up, find them more information, get yourself out there, get your profile out there. There's other opportunities. There's not just one directional. There's other things you can do. And, you know, General Cannon, General Cannon, as you heard right now, he definitely got your back. He's talking from experience, which I love the most, to share it to you guys and get us going. So once That's again, cool. thank you, Jared, for being here. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Bless. bro. Appreciate you.